You are listening to the sermon podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Church in Savannah. We are an Episcopal congregation in the Diocese of Georgia, and you can find out more about us by visiting www.stmichaelsavannah.com. So, uh, y'all know that, uh, I think you should know that I, I do not typically uh, talk about political issues uh, in sermons. I don't think that's the place for them. Um, but I'm going to kind of stray from that today, uh, primarily because uh, uh, what I want to talk to you about is not a political issue. It is a theological one. Um, I came out of the 7 o'clock service on Ash Wednesday uh, to the horrific news uh, that uh, we all saw on Wednesday uh, about yet another uh, massacre of children and teachers uh, at a school, and it has weighed on me ever since, just as I know it weighs on everybody else. Um, I, I will say if, if, um, if I seem preoccupied with this, please understand that my entire family spends their days in school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my kids go to four different, three different schools and my wife teaches in a fourth. So um, this hits very close to home for me. Um, and one of these days I'm gonna learn to be really careful uh, about the hymns that we scheduled before the gospel. This is why I started reading the wrong gospel. Um, but we got to the last verse of that hymn. Uh, and as through stony ground the green shoots break. Glorious in springtime, dress of leaf and flower. So in the Father's glory shall we wake. And we... <coughs> Oh, we got to that line. <clears throat> oh, that at least we know that they will wake in the Father's glory. <clears throat> so here's the deal, y'all. It has happened again. Um, I've lost track of how many times um, I've had to either write something in a church newsletter or talk about it on Sunday um, where we, we, we face the... the killing of a huge group of people for absolutely no reason. And uh, every time I wonder, uh, will this be the one? Will this be the one where we finally do something different and try to find a solution? But I'm gonna tell you what, after Sandy Hook in, in Newtown, I, I just about gave up. Because once we decided that the slaughter of elementary school children was a price we were willing to pay, then what hope was there for us? Um, and, and I've had conversations with people all this week where they say this time seems different. And my response has been, I hope that you're right, but I don't believe it. But we, we, we will see. So here's, <clears throat> here's what typically happens. Here's what always happens, not typically. Uh, after one of these horrific events, uh, we, we hear three sort of vocal responses from all across our culture and our society and our country. Uh, one voice says, we need uh, better and more and stricter gun regulations. Another group says, uh, no, the problem is mental health and we need more and better uh, mental health regulations and policies. And then a third group, um, which seems to um, comprise the entire 535 members of our Congress, say, well, this is a very tough issue. We don't have a solution. 
and then nothing happens. Uh, both sides kind of yell at each other for a little while, um, and then it dies down, and we forget about it, and we move on until the next one. And here's what we know. There will be a next one. And if the recent pattern holds, the time between now and it will get shorter and shorter, and it will get worse. Because that's what we've seen since Columbine, which is the first one of these that I remember. Um, so why, why am I talking to you about this um, on, on the first Sunday of Lent? Um, be, because of what the first Sunday of Lent is about. And if you, heard, if you listen to the gospel reading, you may wonder, why are we talking about Jesus' baptism um, in Lent? We just had the baptism of Jesus a few weeks ago, and that's right, we did. But uh, understand that what we're really talking about today is the temptation of Jesus, which in, in the gospel narratives follows his baptism. And so to get why uh, the fullness of the story of his temptation in Mark, we start with his baptism. And the, the temptation narrative here is real short. We don't get to hear about you know Satan showing up and stones to bread and all that. Not in Mark. It just says... Uh, he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts. So um, this time of year, whether it's just because I'm working on a, a sermon for this Sunday or just because I'm thinking about it for myself, one of the things that I always ask myself this week is, um, what are my current temptations? You know, what, what, what are the ones that I face the most right now? Because I don't know about you, but mine change from time to time. Um, it could be anything. Um, and whatever I was thinking about the first part of the week, that changed on Wednesday and for the rest of the week. And, and what I realized uh, uh, for me at, right now, the thing that tempts me most, my great, the greatest assault of temptation in this time in the wilderness is the temptation to despair. Because my, my response uh, Wednesday and every other time is, um, yeah, oh no, not again. And um, then I get angry that it has happened again. Uh, and then I get scared and sad. And, and that's what, it's that anger and fear and sadness that will lead me if I let it into despair, the sense that this will never change, that this will always happen, and, and this will just become a regular part of, of, of our lives and of, 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 of our culture. And, and I, I find myself, when I want to say something about it, I go back and forth between one of two things, and one of those things isn't appropriate to say in church, and the <laughs> other one is just, Lord, have mercy. That's it. That's the only real response that I can can make is is one of those two and here's the problem theologically with despair is that um, it says not only do I not have a solution do we not have a solution but that God cannot have a solution it doesn't just give up on us being able to change it says that I'm giving up on God's ability to change us. And as people of faith, as followers of Christ, that's a luxury we cannot allow ourselves to wallow in that kind of despair. 
We are called to make a conscious decision, a choice to say, I may not have the answer. I may not be able to solve this. But God can. Now, there, there are two problems with that kind of thinking. Uh, one is that, well, I'm just going to put it all in the hands of God, and then everything will be perfect right away. That that's sort of the Pollyanna world that we decide to live in if we say, I'm just going to put my faith in God. Well, that's not how it works. If you think just putting your trust in God means everything's going to be sunshine and daisies, take one look at the life of Jesus and see where it led him. In a lot of ways... Putting our trust in God to heal us, to save us, means that things are going to be a lot harder than living under the illusion that we can take care of it ourselves. The second challenge to that kind of thinking is to say, well, if I give it to God, then I have no responsibility whatsoever. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to try to be part of the solution. That's a luxury we are not allowed either. Jesus invited us into his ministry. He entrusted his ministry of reconciliation to us when he ascended to the Father. Which means if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we have a responsibility to be part of Christ's reconciling, redeeming work in the world today. We have a role to play. But I also realize, again for me, um, that I do not have the answer to it. I know that neither, none of the three prominent voices have the right idea. Because there's not a simple solution. It's not going to be any one of those things. <clears throat> but I, I, I know this. It's important for me and I think for all of us uh, to realize that this is a problem that has grown beyond our control. Beyond our power to resolve. Uh, because... Um, I'm clear about this too. America has an addiction to guns and violence. We, we don't want to admit that, but it's true. And if you just look objectively at the behaviors that we're talking about and about the response when there's any suggestion that this is a problem, those responses are the exact same responses any addict will make when you tell him he has a problem. And you ask any of us in recovery and we'll tell you there is only one way out of that wilderness which is to acknowledge our own powerlessness over it and to turn our will and our life over to the care of God who can and will save us. And that I think is where we are. That is the solution the lies ahead of us. And the question is, will we as a people, not just us as individuals, but will we as a people have the courage to let God change us? So uh, what, what do we do when faced with tem tem temptation, and in my case, the temptation to despair? Um, the best thing we can do is act. 
right? When you're trying not to do one thing, the easiest way not to do that is to do something else instead. And so what I find myself trying to do instead when I feel tempted to despair and give up is to pray more. And I, 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 I won't lie to you, I pray for myself. I ask God to give me the courage not to give up, uh, to help me uh, work through my anger and, and my sadness and my fear. I pray for the people who died and their families. <clears throat> I pray for the person who killed them. Because he's just as much in need of redemption as any of us. <clears throat> And I pray for those 535 people in Congress that they will find the courage to, to allow God to work with them so that our nation has chance at healing and, and reconciliation. And it may seem quaint um, or silly in, in, in the face of such terrible violence and, 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 and destruction to say, well, we're just going to pray. But it's not. In, in many ways, it's the most courageous and life-giving thing that we can do. To invite God into this wilderness with us and to ask him to save us since we clearly cannot save ourselves. And while we wait for God to act, while we wait for the hearts of all of us as a nation to be healed and to be transformed, we remember that lesson from Genesis. That God remembers his promises to us. And that God's faithfulness far exceeds ours. And always will. And when we find ourselves tempted to doubt that to give up and to despair then we remember what Jesus told us at the very end of that reading from today to repent and to believe the good news that even in the midst of this the kingdom of God has come near Amen, Amen.